Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Uh, welcome once again to Fight Night on TalkSport, your home for big-time boxing. We have got some live and exclusive shows coming your way, no more so than next week when we're in Manchester for Groves versus Eubank Jr. We will be previewing that throughout the course of the next couple of hours. We're going to be speaking to the man behind uh, the World Boxing Super Series. Callis Sowland's on the show. We'll also be speaking to the man in the other semi-final that we hope is going to come through it and set up an all-British clash in the final. Callum Smith will also be on the show. Last week, we were at the O2 Arena. Lawrence O'Coley, Isaac Chamberlain fought. It wasn't the greatest fight, if we're all honest. So we're going to get Lawrence O'Coley's take on that in the next hour or so. And my illustrious colleague will be getting stuck in to Roy Jones Jr. Not only has he had an interview with him recently and a little bit of a chat when he was in America catching up with him, but Roy Jones hung up the gloves for good. Really? Well, we'll discuss that and more throughout the course uh, of the show. Gareth, how are you, mate? I'm, <coughs> excuse me, I'm, I'm choking. I'm choking on my Itsu soup. No, I'm very well, thank you. It's been an amazing week, Adam. Obviously, we're at the, um, the O2 Arena last weekend, and uh, obviously we're going to hear from Lawrence Coley what British beef turned into corned beef hash on the night, really, didn't it? Um, if I, <laughs> I say, it, say it now before he gets yeah, here. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> say before he looks me in the face. Um, but uh, it's been a, fa- a fascinating week in the build-up to this George Groves, um, Chris Eubank Jr. fight. Mm. I've, I've had sit-downs with both men this week. Very intense, not a chink. George Groves on Tuesday over in Wandsworth, an hour and a half with George. I think we're going to hear from him later on. Um, not a chink in his armour, explaining every little detail, perspicacious detail about Eubank's not doing this, he hasn't got a proper trainer, he's coming up a weight division, he's too small, I'm going to hit him hard, I'm going to fish him early. And then on Thursday, just across the road there in the Mondrian, in the Sea Containers uh, restaurant, just on the Thames, Chris Eubank Jr., as unempathetic as you like, no emotion, telling us amazing stories that we're going to talk about later about fighting super heavyweights in sparring. And you know what? You cannot divide either man. You cannot see a chink in the armour of either man. It's going to be a brilliant build-up next week. Obviously, we're there all week, but it's going to be great talking about them uh, tonight. We've got a video on that coming out on Monday, by the way. Myself, Gareth, Glenn McCrory. 
uh, and John Rowling all sat down last week, videoed something up, uh, giving our two P's with on the uh, uh, George Groves, Chris Eubank Jr. Fight. You're going Eubank. Well, calm down. Let them watch You're the video. You're going Eubank. Let them I'm watch going the video. Groves at the let, moment. Let them watch the video. That's all I'll say. <laughs> if you want to get involved with the show at any point, you can. 08717 You can text us on 81089. And if you're on Twitter, at Adam Catterall, at Gareth A. Davis DT, get in contact with us and we will hopefully converse with you over the next couple of hours. Let's get stuck into the big stories of the week. Producer Matt, he loves that little bit of uh, intro, you see. I think he's robbed that from CNN or something in America. He's robbed it from Rocky. Yeah, he's robbed... Well, again. He's robbed the star of it Again, yeah. again. Anyway, uh, headline number one. Top rank have offered seven figures to Linares to fight Lomachenko. We've, we've already learned that Lomachenko's stepping up to lightweight. Linares, obviously, we saw a couple of weeks ago fighting there. He's been in with Luke Campbell recently. That, for me, is an absolute barnstormer. Let's get that on. Yeah, Jorge Linares against Vasyl Lomachenko. Brilliant fight. What's fascinating about this, of course, it's bringing together um, Bob Arum and, and Oscar De La Hoya as, as promoters. I was in Bob's office a couple of weeks ago and I said, surely that ain't going to happen because mm. you and him don't get on. Gareth, he said, not getting on with another promoter doesn't mean you put a fight on. Watch that fight happen. Money talks, my friend. Money talks. There you go. Watch out for that. Uh, top rank offering uh, over a million uh, for Linares to fight Lomachenko. Here's number two. We're going to be speaking about him quite a lot over the next couple of hours. You're going to hear from him because Gareth caught up with him recently in America. Thursday night, he hung him up. We're going to debate whether he is the greatest of all time or where he ranks on your favourite list. We're talking Roy Jones Jr. An amazing man, Mr. Unstoppable, Mr. Unknockoutable, Mr. Unbeatable, Mr. Superman, one of the greatest of all time. But did he tarnish his legacy by going on too long? And is he going to have an Anderson Silva boxing oh, match as well down the don't line? Don't start that. Don't start that <laughs> muck on here, my friend. That's a question for you, actually. Have a little bit of a, uh, take a bit of interest in what Gareth just said there. Did Roy Jones Jr. tarnish his legacy? Uh, fighting on after the uh, John Ruiz fight. Let's go from there, yeah? Shall we go? When he became the heavyweight champion of the world, the 15 years after that, did that tarnish the way you think of Roy Jones Jr.? Get in contact with the show at Adam Catterall at Gareth A. Davis DT. Here's headline number three for you. Are you ready for this? You're going to love this. The UK AD spent nearly £600,000 on the Tyson Fury slash Huey Fury case, my friend. Yeah, almost UK anti-doping spent almost 10% of their annual budget on the case against Huey and Tyson Fury after Trace of Nandrolone were, were allegedly found in their system uh, back in 2016, 15, sorry. Yep. Um, look, this is this is a, this is most contentious news story this week uh, in boxing because UCAD should have applied uh, their policies to the Fury uh, relatives when, when the two Fury boys when they had a case against them. They let it go on too long. It became mired in horrible controversy. And, of course, both uh, Fury boys have accepted a retrospective two-year ban, Mm. or or Tyson has anyway, Mm. and he's back now. What a botch up, what a blunder by UCAD, simply and, and purely. But, you know, they won't do this again. The fear for them, of course, was that the Furies would take them to court and sue them for if they were banned for four years they were looking to sue them for 50 million pounds so UCAD ran in fear it's a very very odd story this one there you go there's your big three from the world of boxing this week 
Uh, there's been some other things going on in the world of boxing as well. I'm just going to uh, chuck these towards you, my friend. What do you make of this little story that's uh, gathered a little bit of pace over the last 48 hours? Ryan Burnett. We were obviously at uh, the fight with him and Zaki Yarnoff in Belfast. What a wonderful night it was. Ryan becoming the first man to unify titles in Belfast. Um, and we're now hearing that Ryan Burnett will be vacating his IBF belt. He's going to be defending his WBA belt on uh, March 31st, which is the Anthony Joshua undercard in Cardiff. He's got two mandatories, you see. This is the situation that he's had at this moment in time. Um, I'm hearing that he's choosing to go down the WBA route. He's going to defend his WBA mandatory, relinquish his IBF belt, mm-hmm. which then opens up a fight for Paul Butler, mm. uh, fighting Emmanuel Rodriguez on April 21st on the Amir Khan undercard. All of that that I've just said, by the way, is live on Talk Sport. No, that's brilliant. I mean, obviously, they're ranked three and four, uh, Rodriguez and Butler, in the respectively, in the IBF. Um, good move by Ryan Burnett. Um, you know, he, he's he's been a brilliant... I mean, you know, that fight he had recently with... with uh, I think he's Kazakh, Zanov, was absolutely extraordinary. The thing is with Ryan, he's obviously under Adam Booth now. There's a brilliant piece on him in Boxing News last week by uh, Elliot Worsall, who mm, went and did Great an writer. Mm. Yeah, he's great, Elliot is. And he, he did a very in-depth piece about Ryan Burnett pushing himself too hard. Now, we know that he's had issues in the past where he's had to have various brain scans in order to have a boxing license. And he's one of those guys that is in a tear-up every single time he fights loves it he, yeah. he, he, he does, does love, love it, it. it and, and, and his ambition is um get a property pay for it get a couple of rental properties um and secure him and his girlfriends i think it's his girlfriend's future he's a very very tough man a very likable man the trouble is down at this weight this 118 pound division you know these guys go through wars every time they they at this top level and um ryan burnett's you know against all these guys shinsuke yamanaka who's the number one ranked wbc um bantamweight luis neri is the is the wbc champion at the moment zolani tetti in the don't WBO. mention his name well, he is the killer of the lot i do i do think he's probably the number one in the division and you know he's about a foot and a half taller than ryan yeah, burnett massive, well. yeah. about a foot and a half taller than you and i <laughs> i mean it's extraordinary when you stand with zolani who's obviously from south africa there's an extraordinary story about his gym back at home where people queue 50 long in a queue to use the heavy bag with one set of gloves mm. um and by the way I, i'm still raising um a container for him equipment aren't you yeah. equipment to send over to him i haven't got it all together yet but we are going to put a container together and send it to his gym in south africa i i think five foot nine it's extraordinary he used to make uh i think he used to make uh light fl- uh, he used to make flyweight didn't he um Superfly, rather, and he is the number one in the division for me. But I wouldn't mind seeing Ryan against him at some point. Mm, great opportunity for Paul Butler, though, because this is the belt, obviously, that he lost to um, Zolani. Yes. Uh, when Zolani basically knocked him out in real good fashion uh, in Liverpool when he, he came of age that night. But a great opportunity for Paul because I thought that Paul was going down the WBA route with Jamie McDonald. Jamie McDonald maybe stepping up to Super Banson weight and then that opening up the door for Paul Butler to fight for that vacant title against Solis. Uh, that's where I thought he was going. Boxing's a funny old world, isn't it? And one of the things that does come out of this, and we spoke about it on the show regularly regarding undisputed, regarding unified champions, these mandatories get in the way of things like that happening. They do, but, you know, look, th- this is the way that boxing has 
kind of slowly fragmented and, and, and restructured itself since the you know kind of early 70s mm. and, and the argument with prom- from promoters and the sanctioning bodies and the boxers themselves is that there are more opportunities for more boxers to earn mo- more money than ever before so you know you have to take that in the context of what we argue as the you know the pundit or the analyst or the observer or the fanboy or the fan whatever you want to call it the yeah. aficionado we're fans we're fans yeah, uh, yeah. We, are, we are fans of the sports I mean but, but you know w- what we mustn't ever take away is that more champions creates more opportunities even though we denigrate it at times you know look um, mandatories do get in the way but they, they are a necessary part of the machinery of, of, for these things to work properly there you go. Uh, there's, <laughs> no, there's other stories going on as well in the world of boxing this week, um, including the possibility of uh, Chisora versus Takan. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. And obviously, uh, the thoughts of uh, Tom Lofer coming out this week regarding Triple G, Canelo and what is next. We'll get to that a little later on in the show, all right? So make sure you stick around for it. We've got plenty of guests to get through as well, one of which is coming up next because he's in the other semi-final. We've got live action from Nuremberg on the 24th of February. It features Callum Smith. We're going to chat to him next on the show. And still undefeated from Liverpool, England, Callum Mundo Smith. Fantastic stuff. And yet again, body shots just destroying an opponent. This is a terrific effort from Fielding, who comes back. just shaking his head at him and said something as if he knows he can finish this whenever he wants and it looks like it's Whoa. all over right here Jeez. Rocky Fielding down again oh. in desperate, oh. desperate trouble back with better, this is again a good start wicked, wicked shot it's destroyed Christian. this is a guy who's come from nowhere nobody knew nothing before he started and now, in my opinion he is one of the best prospects in the world Uh, next week, we get our coverage of the World Boxing Super Series well and truly underway. We've got five special shows coming your way as we build up towards Groves Eubank Jr. That's the first semi-final that we'll experience in Manchester. The week after, we're off to Nuremberg for the second semi-final, which features Callum Smith. He's on the show right now. Callum, welcome, my friend. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate, yourself. Yeah, good, pal. Good, good, good. Um, you're not bothered about Germany, are you, mate? You'll fight anybody in anybody's backyard, won't you? Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't phase me. I had an idea when I signed up for the tournament that you know, there was a good chance I'd have to travel and you know, so be it to go fight. I've been to Germany before, and you know, I'm looking forward to. That's one of the points actually, because your brothers obviously fought in Germany on several occasions, and one of the things that people will know, obviously, about the Smith brothers, they travel. They travel in packs, and you've been there. You've you've yeah. kind of even though you've not talked the talk out in Germany before, you've walked the walk. More certainly, you've been in the changing room. You've done the ring walk. You've felt the atmosphere. You've kind of been through it, the mental side of it already. Yeah, exactly. I've always, I, I was seven, I was younger, being. You know, there with my brothers on another big stage in Germany and stuff, that was always going to help me. And I know I feel that as I feel, you know, when I get to Germany, I've been at the German shows, I've been I've been there before, and I do think it, it will help me. And you know, it won't be anything new to me when we get over there. And I'm looking forward to this, it should be a good fight. I've trained well for it, and you know, I'm ready for the task at hand. Good evening, Callum. It's Scarath here. 
All right, guys, you okay? I'm very well. I'm, that was I'm... very regal. Why are you being so? Why are you being so formal, Ian? Because 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 Mundo and I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we we have a special relationship. Do you? Yeah. It goes the, whoa, are you allowed to talk yeah, about this yeah. on the show? What are you doing? Yeah, well, well, you know, I I know I know his mum's favourite actually. So um, yeah, yeah he's Mark. <laughs> He's his mother Margaret's favourites, and um, no, I, <laughs> um, look, I'm really looking forward to coming out there um, to Nuremberg um, for your fight with Jurgen Bremer. I mean, I think you know one of the fascinating things uh, in this tournament is you're going to get to see. I think I think it's a nice thing for you that you get to see um, Chris Eubank and George Groves fight first next weekend. We believe you're going to be in Manchester for some of that, um, so then you can take what you get from that tour, that that fight with you you can take you know who you're facing if you beat Jürgen Bremer obviously you can't um kind of get ahead of yourself second guess yeah you can't yeah. second guess uh, yeah. Jürgen Bremer but the, the the point being that it's probably an advantage to go twice or to go second rather but also um in many ways i think you're fighting a guy who you know, he's campaigned mainly at light heavyweight. And, and, you know, I think the pressure's really on him. You're the up-and-comer. You know, you're the guy that is terrific on the inside. And I'm assuming that working on the inside, to get on the inside against this guy, Bremer, is the thing you've got to do in Germany. And you can't really leave it in a close fight in the in the hands of the judges out there. Yeah, no, I, uh, no, I can't believe, I believe I can't afford to leave it to be close. But I believe fighting in Liverpool, I wouldn't like to leave it to become close. I always like to win convincingly. You know, I'd like to win by stoppage, but if it's on points, then you know, I'd like to make sure. I don't really want to leave it any chances, but like you said, he's a good fighter, Bame, and he's boxed that light heavy for a long time. Performed two-time world champion. Mm. It's probably his last big chance at the big time, so we'd like to go out with a bang. So I've got to expect the best version of him, but I've had a good camp. You know, we've done, Joe's done a lot of studying and come over little ways and certain shots we feel that'll be effective on the night but everything's different when you get in there so especially with Southport it's all different so no I'm looking forward to it but again I believe if I perform to the best of my ability and the way I know I can then I think it should be a little bit too good for them Do you take anything from the way that Nathan Cleverly went there and, and, and fought him in, in, in New Brandenburg? Um yeah, I don't know, but obviously I'm a different style of fighter to Cleverly. He would use no basic work rate. I thought Brain was winning the early round. If he didn't like the pace Cleverly was setting, and no, he, I think he, he said that his elbow went to something, but I do think you know, he was a little bit unhappy with the pace of the fight and he wasn't getting his own way going into the last half of the fight, and I do think that had a little bit to do with him pulling out. I think if he was a bit uncomfortable and his elbow went, then he may have carried on a bit, but uh, I say I'm, I'm a different style of fight, fighter than Nathan Cleverly, so I can't really just base the old game plan on that. But no, just to say, he's done a lot of studying. We've watched them against tall fighters, other fights and stuff, and oh, Joe does most of the studying, and we just got little certain shots and little ways that we feel will be effective on the night. Uh, would you? Is there a? Is there a, a finalist you'd prefer to fight out of uh, Groves and Eubank? No, to be honest with you, I think they both got strength in different departments and weaknesses in different departments and well, they're both big names as it is and whoever wins next weekend will become an even bigger name. So you're meant to he, say, Callum, I'll fight both of them on the same night. That's what you're yeah, meant to say at this point. Yeah, no, I think they're both massive fights when entering the tournament. They were the two I seen and thought I'd love to yeah. you know, beat either of them too and you know, I knew I had to wait till the final from Monaco from the draw but I knew I had two, two tough fights before I get there, but 
no, I'm not going to lie when I said that was David Tudor caught me eye and I want to be involved in big fights and big domestic fights and you know I've got a chance to do that provided I come to the game and but you know, the vocal of fighters and it's, it's an interesting one next week it's hard to it's hard to pick a winner but mm. I'll, I'll sit back I'll watch it I'll look forward to it and provided I do my job then I look forward to facing the winner We've got uh, Callis Owland uh, on a little later on in the show and obviously we are going to uh, blow smoke up his backside because we as fans absolutely love this particular format and this tournament. I remember speaking to you right at the start when it was all made and your name was thrown in there and, and you were and you were yeah. participating in this. And one of the things that you came out and said was it was um, the activity because you had a very quiet 2017. You were guaranteed yeah. now three fights over a, a shorter period and at the end of that, if you win all three... You come out as a, a super middleweight champion and basically the king of the division, and you could then obviously cherry pick from the other champions yeah. that weren't possibly in that tournament. Now that it's actually happened and 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 it's come to fruition, you must look at it and think, flipping it, what a fantastic decision to get involved in this competition because your stock has absolutely risen. Yeah, definitely. Now, as soon as it, as soon as the tournament was offered to me, I looked over and. No, it sounded a little bit too good to be true, to be honest. With you. Yeah. There must be a catch. Will it will it work? Won't it work? And we were sold to the guinea pigs for it. And, yeah. You know, luckily, it has worked. And as I said, the best decision I ever made in, in boxing. And it's given me that. It's given me become active again. I've had you know, one fight so far. I've got this one. I'm going to win it. I've got another one. So it'll guarantee me three fights. And three fights at a very good level, which is you know, what I feel I need at this stage in my career. And, you know, if I do go on and win the tournament, then I believe the, tor- the, the tournament winner will be considered one of, if not the best middleweight in the world. And that was it for me. That was the aim that was going in the tournament. I knew who won it. I'd come out world champion, and but that was the ultimate goal, regardless of who I had to beat on the way there. So, Jürgen Bremer and then the winner of Groves Eubank, and you know, that's my goal goal achieved to become a world champion and the best middleweight in the world. Don't you be saying if now, because me and Gareth, yeah. right? We sat down on Monday, didn't we? We yeah. all sat down around the table. Myself, you, yeah. Glenn McCrory, yeah. John Rowling. We all sat down and we talked about mainly the Groves Eubank Junior thing. And then we started yeah. talking about the other semi-final and who was going to win it. And uh, who did I put my hand up and say that was going to win the whole tournament? Eubank. Eubank. No, I did not. Um, <laughs> I said this, lad. Right? Don't you be doing me no, now, you did, sunshine. You did, you did say you, you did. No, and, and I said as well that, that Callum is very much a dark horse. And, yeah, you did. And it would not surprise us if Callum won the tournament. But but it's, it's so difficult. It's not going to me. I've got 20 quid on it. Come on, sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're going to wish you all the best in Nuremberg, mate. Let you have a little bit of a chill tonight. Next week. Are you going to be at the fight next week, by the way? Are you going to be ringside? Are you going to be having a look? I think so, yeah. I think I'm going to Germany the Monday, so I'll probably yeah. go over and have a little look at it. And, you know, as a, obviously a potential opponent, as a boxing fan, I do think it's a good fight, it's a good domestic. Absolutely, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a good one to watch. And I'm looking okay, forward Top man. Listen, have a good one, mate. Thanks for uh, no coming worries, on the mate. show. Callum Smith there. Good night. Uh, he's in the uh, second semi-final. You'll hear that live and exclusive on TalkSport. Nuremberg is the destination. Next week, it's all about Groves and Eubank Jr. That video, by the way. I mean, for Glenn, former cruiserweight champion John Rowland and yourself who've been covering boxing for such a long long period of time and me sat in that room 
we literally couldn't pick in that semi-final, could we? We were we were rowing for about we, an hour. We were forcing each other to pick in the end. But then at, convincing at me, each other different arguments. Glenn, Glenn and I wanted to sit on the fence and not pick, but you forced us to. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it, look, it is a genuine 50-50, and this is what we love. An all-British dust-up at world level um, where you've got so many imponderables and you just debate and debate and debate mm. till the actual night. And again, as I said, sitting with both men this week, Eubank and Groves, there's not a chink in the arm. Of either and man. the beautiful thing is, Callum comes through his semi-final. You've got another fifty-fifty in the final. Yeah, I agree. Just like I, we've I, experienced in the cruiserweights, yeah, I mean, it's been absolutely I mean, brilliant. I mean, I mean, again, they're two different types of fights. If if it's Callum against uh, Groves or it's absolutely, Callum against yeah. Eubank, um, but again, it's going to be a fascinating debate. I think Callum will do the business in Germany. I really do. Mm. I think he can break Jurgen Bremer. Look at his record: seventeen knockouts in what is it, twenty-five or twenty-three mm-hmm. or something? Callum, I mean, younger, fresher. I've got to be honest about this. I said sometimes in the mid-range. I worry about he doesn't tuck his chin in sometimes he, Joe, Joe Gallagher will argue with me over that when he hears this and sees it and hears me say this but he's so powerful Callum and when I talk to the doyens people like Colin Hart about about young boxers he always nudges me Loves when it. Callum's on and says reminds me of John Conti and he is held in the very highest esteem yeah, yeah. Um, slashing rapier fists um, and that's what Callum has he's a very powerful young man what is he 6'3 how he makes super middleweight is just beyond me and if we do get a light heavyweight tournament in the WBSS next time around he'll probably be in that as well there you go well, we'll ask Haller after uh, 11 o'clock. <laughs> uh, if that's the plan, make sure you stick around. We've got plenty more guests coming your way, including Lawrence O'Corley. We'll speak to him next. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the waiting is over. Here we go. As he tries to land, and he's gone down already. Chamberlain is on the floor. The referee, Steve Gray, goes straight over to him, and he knocks his head of Isaac Chamberlain, but in the first round, barely a minute of the action, he went down. Chamberlain looks in deep water at the minute, in, in every department. He, he's got a look on his face that is almost telling me that he, he's worried about being in there. Good left from Chamberlain, urged on now by the crowd on the feet, he goes to ground, that is certainly no knockdown. Okay, jump move, jump move, jump move. What is wrong? Come on, let's go. They've been quite frustrated. Oh, oh big right from McCauley. And the referee Steve Gray steps in, he's giving him a standing couch, and he's stepping back. He lands a big right, and Chamberlain could be in trouble here. Coley has won every second of this round of this fight. Chamberlain has struggled at every stage. And a new WBA Continental Cruiserweight Champion from Hackney, East London, Sauls Lawrence of Uh, that was live last week on TalkSport. Lawrence O'Coley, Isaac Chamberlain from the O2 Arena. We were there, and our guest was obviously there because we've just been speaking about him. Lawrence, welcome back to the show, mate. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you so much for your time tonight, man. Thank you so much yeah. for being on the show. Um, no problem, man. Well, no problem. You've just heard, uh, obviously, bits of our commentary there. A win's a win. What are your learns uh, the week after uh, that, uh, uh, that big night at the O2? Uh, what I learned is, you know, I can do um, 10 rounds in my first year, you know, and um, yeah, just, just a lot of a lot of intricacies that I'm going to take forward into, into the next camp, you know, with learning how to be a little bit more ambitious on the inside and, you know, um, just other, other little stuff like that. Uh, Lawrence, good evening. It's Gareth here. 
Oh, hi, good afternoon. Good evening. Yeah, um, yeah. It was a, it was a very tough night for you in many ways. You know, it, it was billed as British beef. It was a huge stage. You know, eight to nine thousand people. The O2 Arena. You know, and I was saying on the broadcast last week, um, and and I was even saying in in my write ups in the Telegraph in the build up to it that. That, that you know, this was a fight that maybe three or four years ago might have headlined at somewhere like the York Hall in front of fifteen hundred people. And but yeah. boxing's so big at the moment, there's such an appetite for it that mm-hmm. it could be put on a bigger stage. In 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 some ways, it backfired, and British beef, as I'm jokingly saying, turned yeah. into in, turned into corned beef hash in a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and, for sure. But but as, as Adam said, you know. You, you learn from these occasions, don't you? Yeah. And, and you know, t- especially technically, because if you'd yeah. stayed off him, I mean, you really did yeah. dominate him. If you'd yeah. stayed off him, yeah. it would have been so much better for you. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree with everything you're saying there. And it's like, okay, cool. This fight, you know, that's, what, um, that's how it looked. That's how it went. So I can use that experience going into another fight where if it becomes a similar kind of fight, I remember holding them. And then last time I, had a, I was in a position like this, if I kept along, it would have been an easier night. Let me do that again. Mm. You know what I mean? So 100%. But I feel like, you know, watching the fight back itself, it wasn't um, an amazing spectacle. Mm. But I won, I won every round pretty much. Yeah, you know, there's no question I about dom- that. No, no you dominated. Yeah, I, I mean, you said I, you also said afterwards that sometimes you have to win ugly, and that's what you did. Yeah. You won ugly, you know? Correct, correct. I mean, because, you know, before the fight, it was 50-50, or Chamberlain's going to beat Lawrence, or if it goes past four rounds, you know, Chamberlain's got this. You know, and you know, I had to like, like I said, I didn't want it to be a holdy kind of fight. But if you watch the fight, the first minute, first two minutes, we kept it long. We we're boxing, and I hurt him. Yeah. After that, he found a hole, which is, you know, I blame myself in a sense for not adapting. But he found a hole, stuck his head, coming in low, mm. trying to, you know, um, survive basically through the fight. But like I said, with experience, I learned. Hold on a minute. If someone's doing that. Maintain the distance. That's it. That's it. And and we, um, I think we said in commentary last week, the worst thing that could have happened in that fight is him feeling your power in that first round, because then obviously, uh, obviously, then there wasn't that engagement as we saw in that first round. And you're only as good as your dance partner at the end of the day, really, aren't you? You know what I mean? And as as you're saying right now, you learn from that, and now it's about taking those half step backs and keeping that distance because that's where you're at your strongest. We still got it. Oh, we haven't yeah. lost. Yeah, we still got him. We've still got him on the phone there. Yeah, I, I, as you've seen, you know, in other fights of mine, when it's you know round one, round two, and I hurt people, mm. I jump on them. I think we've lost him there, Adam. But, the, but look, to be fair, to be fair to to, to Lawrence, um, the whole build up to this fight was Isaac Chamberlain saying he's going to bring it and have a war with Lawrence Acoli. Lawrence Acoli has gone in there so far in his career, and he's got extreme power in his right hand. As David Hay mentioned, I think, on our broadcast, he's almost got a, a you know, obviously he's an orthodox stance fighter. He's almost, he's got such long arms. We got him back, by that the That his jab is almost a hook mm. um, at times. Uh, we're just saying, Lawrence, that one of the, I'm, 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 kind of coming to your aid in some ways in that yeah. you know I, you know I, I was I wasn't critical of what you did on the night but I was said it was more you know it was it was closer to pancration in the ancient Olympics than it was to boxing on the night because it was boxing yeah. and wrestling in many yeah. ways but 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 one of the things I in your defense 
Isaac Chem- Chamberlain called for this fight, saying it was going to be a war. Mm. Yeah? yeah, and when he got in there with you, we've seen you knock people out. We know you've got a very dangerous right hand. David Hay on our broadcast said that you've got such a long right hand that your left jab is almost like a lead left jab, which is a left hook rather, right. which is amazing, yeah, yeah. Um, and an amazing punch. But really, Chamberlain didn't come to fight you at the end of the yeah. day. He was the yeah. one calling a battle, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, and that's what he needed. All right, listen. Fair enough, for excitement, for, you know, keeping it long, doing the, you know, all that stuff. I, I agree, making it easier than that. But if we want to be honest and critical, I want to be too critical of Chamberlain because I've got to win. But what is the case is, it's a grudge match. You've got thousands of people there to support you. Change it up. Have yeah. a fight. Yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Don't just be happy, you know, um, ducking low, holding, nothing happens. Oh, I'm not in any pain. Um, go out on your sword. Go out on your sword. Yeah, 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 yeah. And do a lot of talking instead of in the fight when they had opportunity to win some rounds or even win the fight. He didn't take it. That's cool. Mm. I, 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 I would allow that. But you know, um, he's come out energy since and said, you know, I made it a boring fight. What you need to understand is I won every round, so it's, it's time for you to make it. You know, change something. No, I'd I agree. Know, man. Yeah, I'd agree with that. What's uh, what's next for you anyway this year, mate? What's, uh, we've got loads of cards obviously coming up uh, with yeah. Matchroom, and I know that they're looking after you and pushing you in certain directions. What's next for you? Have you, have you already had a chat with Eddie? When we when we're going to yeah, see you no, next? I think they haven't had a physical chat um, early next week, um, but I feel like we turn around on the just on the card. Well, there we um, go. Because I'm yeah, because I'm going to be helping them spar anyway um, in preparation. So um, to get out of the amazing. Um, and then from there we'll have a, a real plan because I feel that personally I never won the ABAs or, and I didn't win the Commonwealth medal hmm. so it would be nice for me to win those two things as a professional you know um, so I'd like to win those two those two titles but really um, as, I, as I've tried to explain in the show I really there's a, there's a you don't want to rush yeah. but at the same time I want to compete you know Isaac was meant to be real top competition for someone in their first year as a mm. professional mm. who's experienced with another. So I want to continue in that kind of stead. So I'll watch me. Guys and bro, I can go on from there. Obviously, the the the, um, the 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 signal mast in Hackney isn't working too well tonight. But um, <laughs> the the because um, you're breaking up with us. But I'm there's sorry. one guy that I was wanted to throw at you. Maybe you're not quite ready yet, Matty Askin. Um, yeah. is ranked 14 by the WBO. And obviously, we know what's going on at the moment with Murat Gassiev, Alexander Usyk, and these guys. Um, you know, yeah. we've seen the Dortikos fight with Gassiev last week as well. Yeah. Um, you know, amazing stuff at the top of your division. Yeah. But Matty Askin's 14 in the WBO. How far away are you from a fight with someone like him? I think that it's more a case of experience. Um, I personally don't feel like it's a problem. But, you know, I have a team that says, you know, we're looking at British titles and stuff more like either one one or two more fights end of the year. Um, I thought that Matt is a good fighter, but he's someone, he's a very seasoned pro. So you don't rush into a fight with a seasoned pro. You need to be seasoned enough yourself. So mm. I think a few more fights like the one I had on the weekend, getting the 10 rounds, 12 rounds in, and then we can go for it mm. end of this year. Top man. Listen, Lawrence, thank you so much for your time, man. I know that uh, obviously oh, this is your man, downtime now. No, don't worry about that. Listen, it's your downtime after a fight. It's great that you uh, took, t- took time out to come and chat to us. We're looking forward to seeing you on the Joshua Undercard, mate. All right, perfect. Thanks a lot.
Take care, buddy. Good Take night, care. mate. Cheers. Oh, cook me up some corned beef hash the next time you're with me. Stop at you. Stop <laughs> at you. I like him a lot. I, think, I do. He's brilliant. And do you know what I like about that yeah. as well? And I get this a lot with Connor Ben when we speak to Connor Ben after his performance. Yeah. Hypercritical of what he is yeah. as oh. an athlete. You know, really hypercritical, really honest. That only will endear you to fans. The fans aren't daft. They've watched that last week and they've gone, oh, it's not lived up to everything that was billed. Fair enough. But if you hold your hands up and say, listen, you know what I mean? It wasn't great for the fans. That's fantastic. I've got bits to learn on. I'm going to go and work on this and I'm going to go and work on that. If he comes back on the Joshua undercard and blows a kid away, we in two rounds. Everybody's got everybody's got fair play. Lawrence, everybody's back on his tree again. The thing is, uh, um, unfortunately for Lawrence, um, the, the, because of the high profile nature of that fight last week, and, yeah. and we're, we're, we're part responsible for it. Um, you know, yeah, well, sometimes that happens. Sometimes yeah. you big stuff up and, it, and sometimes it's a, a bit of a flat one. Sometimes you don't big something up at all. And uh, it's absolutely astronomical. They say that an L isn't a loss for, for fighters. It's a learn. Absolutely. Luckily, Lawrence got a win. Not luckily, but he got a win there. But it's also a learn yeah, fight for I'd him. And, 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 you know, I mean, look, Barnsley boy, Matty Askin. Yeah, he's a bit of a way off yet. But that's the kind of fight that he should be targeting in a year's time, in mm. six fights time. But the thing is, as well, Adam, um, for someone like Lawrence Acoli, Look, I think mentally you can hear it. He dealt with a kind of disappointing night. He dealt with it well last weekend. He said he won ugly. He agreed it was not a great performance, but he but he got the win and he and he, and he kind of achieved what he needed to do. And he sent a challenger kind of packing basically. Yep. You know, Chamberlain wasn't up to it with him. Lawrence Acoli, remember he was three hundred pounds during the last uh, the 2012 Olympic Games working at McDonald's. We know this story now. He saw Anthony Joshua boxing. He felt inspired. It, go and stand next to Lawrence Acoli. He is a beast. Johnny Nelson was a big cruiserweight. Lawrence Acoli is a very, very big man. He looked two weight divisions above he Isaac did. Chamberlain the he other did. night. He He'll go somewhere. He's got work to do, but it's going to be an exciting journey. No, it is. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll be covering it quite a lot on Fight Night right here on Talk Sport. Lots still to come. Uh, one man that actually skipped the cruiserweight division. Well, he went back down to it, but he didn't win a world title in it. He decided he couldn't be bothered with that one. He went from light heavyweight straight up to heavyweight Did this boy. Um, we are inducting the one and only Roy Jones Jr. into our very own Hall of Fame next. Uh, today, I think it's quite obvious that we're going to be inducting one of the greatest of all time. And I'm using that as a little bit of a caveat because everybody seems to have a different opinion of Roy Jones Jr. If he finished his career 15 years ago, I don't think it's a debate. However, he didn't. He cracked on at a very mediocre level for 15 years. And does that tarnish, does that dilute the things that went before? Well, my trusted colleague, Gareth A. Davis, has been catching up with Roy Jones Jr. as he built up towards his final fight, which happened on Thursday of this week. And he which was, he won. Which he won, which of course. Which he dominated. Which he's finished. He's gone out on a high. Uh, but part of the conversation, or the intro to this conversation, is him discussing that fantastic achievement. Yeah, I sat down with him at UFC headquarters because his last fight was on UFC Fight Pass, weirdly. Um, and he, Roy... 
I, I started really with Roy by asking him what did it feel like to be only one of two men in 120 years of boxing to win world titles from middleweight to heavyweight. We didn't see people go from middleweight to heavyweight even in those days. The only people we saw go from middleweight to heavyweight was Bob Fitzsimmons. And then he came back down to the light heavyweight and recaptured that title again. We haven't seen nobody go from middleweight to heavyweight. And that's 120 years ago, isn't it? Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like... Bodies were different then. Exactly. And yeah. heavyweights were even smaller then than they are now. But for me to come 120 years, 160 years later and do it, says something that's pretty spectacular about that accomplishment. You know what I mean? Only two people have ever done that. Two. 75 fights over two and a half decades in the sport, active. Is it fair to say that, you know... You're addicted. You've been addicted to boxing. No, it's not an addiction. I can't give up because when you have an addiction, you can't give up. You don't know when to say it's your last one. You feel me? And like now, me because I know me. I know now. It's starting. Time, it's time to start saying, "Okay, that's enough." When you did enough, you're not gonna get what you want out of it anymore. So it's best to just reach for one or two things and shoot and, and be through it. So good. This last fight, shoot for Anderson. Call it a day. So I'm not addicted. It's just that it was my music. It was the music that God chose to play through me to the mm. rest of the world. Mm. And you want to make sure you play it to the last song. Mm. You don't want to go back with some music that God meant for you to play and you didn't play. Mm. And to give you a perfect example of that, had I retired, when people started telling me to retire, I wouldn't be the first fighter having a boxing match on UFC Fight Pass. I wouldn't be right here right now even talking to you about it. What's the biggest shift you've seen in boxing in your time, does it? Do we need a revival in America? Is, has there been? But I, I speak to the man in the street a lot, and he says, "Man, I used to watch it when it was Roy Jones Jr., when it was Tyson, when it was Oscar De La Hoya." But you know what? The last ten years, I'm not so sure I want to watch it at the moment. You know Why is that happening? You know what happened? Because people start playing King of the Dollar instead of King of the Hill. Mm. When me and Tyson was around, we played King of the Hill, which resulted for him especially. King of the Dollar too, but we played King of the Hill. When, what do you mean by King of the Hill? King of the for, Hill um, means readers or listeners. King of the Hill means you go stand on the hill, yeah. and whoever comes to the hill, you knock them off. Oh, the, the champion hill. fights all the, the challenges. You don't the, choose. We don't pick select. whoever comes yeah. to the hill. Yeah, you yeah, get yeah, your yeah. behind whooped. Yeah. Me yeah. and Tyson played King of the Hill. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. People say, "Why you didn't fight Mikacheski?" I was on the hill. I don't go to him to fight for his hill. I'm the man with the most belts. I'm the King of the Hill. You want to fight me? You come here and come to the hill. That's where I'm at. I'm not ducking nothing at the hill, but you got to come to the hill. Don't expect me. Come to Germany where I don't know what kind of heels over there mm-hmm. and want to fight you for your heel. You got one heel. You understand? You got one belt on your little heel. That's way from everybody. You're not even fighting the best American fighters. You're fighting people that we don't know about. So if you want to play king of the heel like we played, come to the heel and you got that. Yeah. You've been over to the UK. You know what boxing fans are like in the UK. Mm-hmm. They're the greatest. You get a lot of love, no? They're, They're the greatest, greatest. yeah? The greatest. Boxing fans in the UK are the greatest. Why is that? Because they love their sport of boxing. They love, they support, they follow, they travel. Mm. I mean, they love their fighters. If mm. you become a great fighter and they love you, they will go anywhere in the world to support you. They, they, they follow and support their people better than any other country I've seen to this day. If you want to go somewhere where you're going to be loved as a boxing fan, go to the UK because they will follow theirs to the end, and that's a beautiful thing. 
don't know about you, but I, I'm not going to the hill. Are you going to the hill? No, no, not with Roy Jones. I'm staying Jr. away I mean, from the hill. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I know we're going to talk about it more in the show, Adam, but and ask our listeners to, to 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 tell us how good they think he was. But when you think about the things he did, you know, dropping Virgil Hill with a body shot, the defeat of James Tony was number one pound for pound fight at the time. The return match against Montel Griffin. Oh, calm yourself. The heavyweight now. fight. This against is the debate John Ruiz. for the final yeah. bit of the show. All okay, right, you, you're going crazy on it. I am, but uh, Here, do you right, know what? I'll tell you what. That, I'm going to ask a question now, right? And we're going to finish the show on this because I think it's only fair that we have two sections on Roy Jones Jr. Because I hold him in such high esteem. So here we go. Here's the question for you. If you listen to the show right now and you know a little bit about Roy Jones Jr. How do we judge greatness? Do we judge it over an entire career or do we take a snapshot of prime years? Is that how we judge greatness? If it's the latter, then we've got a real debate for a pound for pound greatest of all time. If it's over an entire career, then okay, maybe that argument is diluted. Where do you judge Roy Jones Jr. to stand in the Hall of Fame amongst all the greats? Where is he for you? Is he one of your favourites? Do you class him as one of the best? Get in contact with the show. At Adam Catterall, at Gareth A. Davis DT. Get in contact now with the show regarding Roy Jones Jr. We'll pick this up in a little while. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since a fight night on TalkSport, if you've only just tuned in, where the devil have you been? as if you've just missed us inducting Roy Jones Jr. into the Hall of Fame. It will be available as a podcast. The link's on uh, mine and Gareth's social media, so make sure you're all over it. You can listen to it as you, at your leisure uh, throughout the course of the week. And we've got a series of special shows coming to you this week. Uh, five extra special hours of boxing content, all geared around the World Boxing Super Series, which rolls into Manchester uh, next Saturday. We'll be obviously there live uh, with live commentary on TalkSport. Make sure you come and join us for that because it's George Groves versus Chris Eubank Jr. And the brains 
behind this fantastic tournament because we seem to be talking about it on a week by week basis now, don't oh, we? Oh, it's extraordinary. We're going crazy for the cruiserweights. Yeah. We're going crazy for the super middleweights. He's obviously going to come on now and tell us what's happening next year because he's going to give us that world exclusive. That's mm-hmm. how Kala Sauerland likes to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Kala, welcome to the show. How are you, mate? Hey, hi, how are you guys? We're very well indeed, mate. Very well indeed. Listen, before we get excited about next week and what um, we're going to be watching at face value, I think it's only fair that we touch upon the Cruiserweight tournament. Uh, we now know who the finalists are. You must be absolutely delighted with the way those semi-finals played out, mate. You've, we've, you've been on this show many yeah. times and we have... I'm going to be honest with you, Calla. We've blown smoke up your backside because we love this tournament. But when you get main events like that in those two semi-finals, yeah. you must have a Cheshire grin on your face, pal. Yeah, you know, um, my adrenaline is still going for the last couple of weeks. I mean, we had uh, 11,000 in Riga, 14,000 in Sochi uh, with two... To be honest, two fight of the year candidates oh. uh, in the first uh, in the first five weeks of the year. Mm. So I think that's great for boxing. That's what we're here about. You know, we're not here to take over. We're here to add. Uh, the World Boxing Super Series is, sees itself as a Champions League of boxing, and um, I think the last couple of weeks is proof in the pudding. You know, um, it's uh, it's just been sensational. You know, uh, great places, new places for boxing, mm. which is always important. The sport grows. Uh, Riga was fantastic and uh, I mean last weekend you know it was in Sochi I thought it would be a bit dry you know the Russian atmosphere I wasn't wasn't too sure what to expect mm. it was crazy I mean it was absolutely we had a, we had a ring invasion afterwards it was uh, <laughs> bizarre you know it was uh, fantastic and um, you know credit to all the team there's 120 of us over there great lights great show uh, and the boxers well it speaks for itself but I would say you put two guys in the ring um, or, or four guys in a ring in two weeks with a record combined record of 83 and 0 yeah. uh, four world titles four world champions one Olympic champion uh, and then you know uh, generally you know what you're going to get Absolutely and it's and just for those that want to know a little bit more about this cruiserweight final which is happening uh, between Usyk and Bredis it is uh, sorry Usyk and Gassiev the um the Ring magazine, I spoke to Dougie Fisher this week, and the Ring magazine belt's now going to be on the line for their final. So not only will they have all the sanctioning bodies belts, they'll have the Ring magazine belt in there. It's the king of the cruiserweights. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And, you know, credit to all the fighters that signed up for this, especially the champions. You know, always an easy way out for the fourth guy to say, you know what, I'll, I'll take a miss and I'll wait and I'll fight the yeah. winner have a couple of easy ones and watch it go on and have a big money fight against winners. These guys have put it all on the line. Breedis and Dorticos, very unlucky losers. Both were in with a sniff until the last round. Um, you know, credit to them. It's just, it's, it's been unbelievable. And then and great characters to work with, real true sportsmen. And, uh, well, sets up, I'm buzzing for Manchester. Can't wait. I think um, I, you know, I've known you a long time, Keller, and I and I do think congratulations Indeed. are due to you for this tournament. One, as as Adam just mentioned, the fact that you've you've enabled the Ring Magazine belt to come into play is phenomenal because we know that they are an independent, and you know they're called the Bible of boxing. I think you're to be congratulated on that, but also, of course that the final is taking place in the Middle East. And for years and years and years, we've heard that boxing is going to make it to the Middle East. And you've taken it there as well to break new ground. I remember you did an interview with Business Insider before the tournament started. £38.4 million worth of prize money on the line, which is no mean feat to get all these... uh, these 16 great fighters from the two divisions involved. Um, For you, it must be 
a, um, a kind of a paradigm shift because you must be looking, and, and Adam mentioned about uh, getting a world exclusive for us tonight. Um, <laughs> the featherweight, the featherweight division needs one of these. We could see one of these in the welterweight division. Where are your yeah. ambitions lying after this? They've had a meeting this week, Gareth. Yeah. They've had a meeting, I mean, so he's definitely got the answer. So come on, son, what is first, it? First of all, yeah, we had a big board meeting in Zurich uh, on Friday. But um, but first of all, it's, it's nice you give me credit. Um, but <laughs> um, there's, there's a massive team behind this, so I'll share that credit. And thank you very much for that. Um, it's been, it's been, it was four years in the making, you know, four years of, of craft, um, we had a vision, um, and uh, look, we're, we're delighted. And I think you know it's, it's the final going to Jeddah. But don't forget, you know, we've just been in Riga twice. We've been in Sochi, sold out venues. Um, it's about bringing boxing around the world. Next season is going to see Asia come into play, potentially Africa. Definitely, America will be a lot stronger focus next season as well. And of course, you know, my favourite, my uh, adopted home country, um, the United Kingdom. But. Um, in terms of weight classes, um, you know, there's, uh, there's definitely be a couple of lighter weights. Um, not ruling out even doing a third weight class next season. And um, the shareholders met them yesterday. Um, amazing, amazing companies behind this um, who, who pledged the money, um, who are patient. And uh, all I'll say now is you're looking at definitely a lighter weight. Um, Purple weights very exciting. Um, I think the light weights are great as well. Bantam weights are sensational. Um, you know, and then if I look at the bigger weights, mm. I think the middles will be quite tricky to do at the moment, just on the basis that we're going to have the draw, uh, where, the, where the fighters, if people don't know the concept, it's, it's eight names that go into the quarterfinals, four of those are seeds. Mm. Uh, the seeds pick the unseeded boxers, also first in boxing and premier in boxing, um, in a gala in Monte Carlo. That will be in June this year. So obviously there's a big fight to middleweight, Heavyweights we rule out for the moment. Too much going on there. Um, but you look at, obviously, the light heavyweight draw. It's interesting. Potentially the winner of the super middleweight stepping up to light heavy could be a good story. Mm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people call it for rematches at Cruiserweight. Eh? Maybe we'll do the, the Cruiserweight together. The, you know? the, um, yeah, there's, well, obviously, there's, there's, there's Lebedev to bring into play, isn't there, at some point? Um, but, Gareth, that, I mean, just the basis of the press conferences after the last two weekends... Yep. We could have done rematches on both. Yeah, uh, you know you can't uh, breed this until the last round. No one knew. You know, I got in the ring. If the last round would have been that different, we would be a draw. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't have moaned really if Breedis would have nicked it. No. So, what, what, Callum, um, Callum, this is country. this is a really important point for the listeners. One one of the reasons why you've managed to do this so successfully is because there are so few Americans involved in these two weight classes in the tournament so far. So. Or um, good or bad, that that um, we've been able to do most of it over here. Um, one of the other things I wonder: um, Are you looking to expand towards the bigger American broadcasters now as well to get them involved? Because there hasn't been a major US TV deal with this, i.e., an HBO or a Showtime. Can you draw them into this or an ESPN? Can you draw them in, given how good it's been? Okay, you're, you're airing this after the watershed, I'm guessing, so I can use stronger language. But, I won't go too far. <laughs> but no, no, honestly, I, you know what? I'm fed up with her thing. It's like this is all about US boxing and all that. If you look at the if you look at the rankings, how many US real draws are there? You know, I listen. We promoted George Groves as a co-feature to Mayweather mm. against Berto. They were giving away the tickets, right? Mm. That's the biggest US name. So 
you name me the US names that are so important that have to go into these sort of things. Of course, we'll look at US talent, you know, but if you're really realistic about the last 10 years of US boxing, it's about Hispanic talent, it's about Filipino talent, it's about B-siders making up a Mayweather fight to make it interesting. Mm. So it's not for me that it's like a, a market. I mean, the UK is buzzing. Look at Eastern Europe. These crowds last weekend were buzzing. Mm. Germany is on a, on a bit of a flat. We need to pick that up. But Asia is kicking at the moment. Japan had 73% viewers for Inui. Right? Wow, wow. So, you, you know, boxing is a global sport. The thing that Americans love to always put the focus on it. But ultimately... You know, it's a, it's a big political game over there. Uh, Showtime is controlled by by a couple of people. Uh, and you've got HBO. Uh, they don't want to build our brand, which I get, because it's, you know, it, it, it's it's scary for them because the people behind this have got the money to put in, to, to put on real boxing. You know, look at the shows that HBO was showing. Look at the last two shows that we've done the last weeks. You can't, it's, it's, it's chalk and cheese. You know, so the only reason behind it is... Uh, it's, it's politics, you know. But mm. having said that, we're not going to let it stop us. We're very close uh, to finalising the US deal. But that is not the, the backbone of this project. This project is about putting on the best fights for the fans that ultimately, long term, when you do that, when you provide anything in entertainment or sports, if you provide something the fans love and they've gone wild for the cruiserweights, let's face it, the cruiserweights before this tournament were... A much of a nothing division. I've promoted cruiserweight champs over the last 10 years. Hook, uh, Arslan, Hernandez. That wouldn't probably mean nothing to your, to your listeners. Yeah. But suddenly... You've met superstars. Have come on. Yeah. No, no, there's no question. Yeah. No question about it. I mean, before these guys, Keller, before these guys, Evander Holyfield and David Hay were the two known names right. from the cruiserweight division. In the UK. Division. In the, uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah no, but, but, but you've created... There's no question. You said as well to Business Insider when you gave that interview, we feel we can create a new Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather in terms of promotion. I think you've done more than that. I think what you've done is make people stand up and realise of the talent that there is coming out of Europe. I hope that's not you being arrested. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just looking over especially shoulder, especially right. a Spurs 1-0 one, one against my boys Arsenal today. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I was going to mention it, but uh, I'm crowing. I'm crowing. Cal- Calarim, regarding the cruiserweights, because we've, we've enjoyed all, I mean, from the quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, is one of the learns that you've taken, because this is the inaugural year for the for the competition is one of the learns that you may be taking is for example the two semi-finalist losers last week and the week before could they not meet each other in in the on the undercard in the final or something like that could that be a yeah. possibility adam it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, in theory it's a great idea um this tournament is based on and this is why the fighters love it talk to the boxers once about the tournament they love the fact it's three fights if they're if they're successful hmm. in the space of nine months right yeah. The, the issue you have is that is cutting it fine. These are top fights, right? Top fights are yeah. physically enduring fights. Adorticos is not ready to fight in May. That's no. fact. Yeah, yeah. If it was my boy, I would put him a tune-up and then bring him back in September. So on paper, I'd love to do Adorticos Breedis. Mm. I'm meeting Breedis in, in 10 days. He's, he's, he's very excited to fight again. You know, um, you know, um, great fighter, um, Dorticos also would be making an amazing fight. We'll make a standalone amazing fight. But uh, we have to put hell first on that one. And that, 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 the schedule is what it is. You know, um, I, see, I see certainly British featuring somehow very strongly around the final. 
Yeah, also cross we'll have to see, but um, maybe maybe it's a tune up around the final as well. We'd love to get all the guys in there around the final. It'll be a big night, May the eleventh. Cool. Listen, before we get let you go, mate, because I know we're pressed for time a little bit, we're obviously in Manchester next week. Super middleweights is uh, when it all gets underway between Groves and Eubank Jr. What an unbelievable semi-final to get us underway. Yeah, I mean, first of all, cracking job you guys are doing five programmes in a week. I love that. That is, that's, what, that's what this sport needs, support like that from mainstream media. Uh, I think that's great. Um, next weekend is going to be... It's going to turn back the clock. <laughs> you remembered you were on the radio clock. then, good lad. You remembered you were on the radio. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, I was going to put something else in that, but, uh, <laughs> but it's still early here. I'm, I'm an hour ahead of you, but uh, it's still early here. Um, but no, but, 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 but cut it to the point. Next weekend is about turning back the clock. It's going to be a vintage. It's going to be a fight for the ages. It's going to be a fight. Just look at the styles. Look at the build-up that we're going to have next week. It's going to be huge. That press conference on Wednesday, I've already got my... Adrenaline going for that. That's going to be a, that's going to be an interesting one. Both. It's not going to be a it's not going to be a, a cheap press conference. It's going to be one with two uh, guys who can really talk, uh, and it's going to be psychological warfare. It's starting at the first one mm. a couple of months ago. So you know, so Wednesday's going to be a lot about getting an edge psychologically. I see their their little war on Twitter. Uh, very interesting that. Mm. Um, and um, you know, I think. Uh, be interesting interesting to see through the fight week uh you know um it starts starts monday we have the undercard presser mm. great undercard on that and and, and on, on on tuesday we have uh we have the with the public workouts wednesday's the wednesday is of course the, the the big press conference and friday it's the head-to-head after the weigh-in mm. you know uh 4 p.m in manchester so that's going to be great if you can't make it down there it will be Exclusively live, like all our all our weigh-ins are done uh, on the on the World Boxing Super Series website, so uh, you, you won't miss it. Um, and it, you'll see a lot before the fight, I think. You know, um, big talents, big talents, and a hell of a lot at stake. I mean, both guys been in big fights, but but especially George. But this is this is this is something different. No, it is. It's special. Callum, listen, thank you so so much for your time. You'll be able to hear all that that Callum's just been mentioning there on TalkSport throughout the course of the week as well. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, bringing you a lot of special shows. And then, obviously, on Saturday night, we're live and exclusive from the arena in Manchester. Come and join me, Gareth, Tony Bellews alongside us as well. It's going to be an epic night. Groves versus Eubank Jr. in the World Boxing Super Series. Stick around because we're going to continue talking about the World Boxing Super Series next here on TalkSport. Still Snoop Dogg and D.I. Fascinating conversation. Conversation that with uh, Keller Sowland, um, one of the brothers, one of the masterminds behind the World Boxing Super Series. Of course, myself and Gareth and the team are going to be in Manchester next week. Uh, not just next Saturday, but all week. We've got a series of shows lined up for you uh, throughout the course of the week as we come live from Manchester every single day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then on Saturday, we'll be live from the arena uh, for fight night from nine o'clock next week. Make sure you come and join us as we build up towards Groves versus uh, Eubank Jr. That's across TalkSport and TalkSport 2 throughout the whole course of the week. All right. Now, one of the things that I just want to pick up on with that conversation with Callie, because we've, you know, we've dreamt. We're, we're, we're starting to spitball what they're going to be doing for next year because it's been a highly successful this time around. Mm, mm. Cruiserweights, super middleweights, tick, tick. Well done, everybody. It's fantastic. Whatever happens from now on in, I think it's a raving success. So what comes next year? What do we get from September of this year, should I say? Next season of World Boxing Super Series. Now, he's just alluded to the fight there, Kala. We might get three weights. 
We might get three weights. This year we've got two. We might get three different weights. He's talking about territories around the world, mentioning Asia quite heavily there, which would insinuate that they're going to go quite light. Because if you go out to the likes of China, Japan and Asian countries out there, that's where the smaller guys are absolutely booming at this moment in time. So you've got you think you might be going bantamweights? Do you think? Well, I mean, if you look at you know look, you look at the bantamweights. I, I think he was hinting there bantamweights. You've got Shinsuke Yamanaka, number one ranked um, challenger in the WBC. Luis Neri is the champion at the moment. But um, you know, you've also got. The very we mentioned it earlier on the show. We were debating about it. Who's number one in the bantamweight division? Mm. Zalani Tetti, for example. South Africa's ripe for a big fight, by the way, as mm. well. Um, it would be brilliant if they put one on there. But he's obviously fighting over here under Frank Warren at the moment. Ryan Burnett, the champion of the IBF, he's going to vacate, as you said earlier, the IBF title. You've got Ryan Burnett, Jamie McDonald, Shinsuke Yamanaka. Um, there are so Paul many. Butler. Paul Butler's rising up through the ranks there. Lee Haskins and Stuart Hall probably don't make the cut, I would say, of the, of the British fighters. I say, I say British fighters, Ryan, for me, Ryan Burnett, Paul Butler, Jamie McDonald, but Jamie yep. McDonald might move up. Yeah, but if this is announced, look, there's so much money on the line. Yeah. There's so much money, money available. It's proper money. Exactly. It's proper money. And these guys don't, you know, but what, what the listeners don't know, what the listeners don't know don't know about world champions is down the lower weight divisions they don't earn a lot of money generally if they are um fighting for world titles it's not the kind of millions of pounds no, that there's the not heavyweights yeah, yeah. So it's a very very different to the heavyweight division and some of the higher or heavier weight divisions but i think that's a that's a great shout um at the moment the bantamweight division but you, you've got other i mean i do i'm going to i'm going to give you my dream right yeah, but I, I, this is what i, do, I do, my dream would be the featherweights but i don't listen think... boxing news asked me that last week or a couple of weeks ago in their panel and i said the featherweights oh. would be beyond any other division right now let's be straight about this Gary Russell Jr Leah Santa Cruz Abner Mares <laughs> Lee Selby Oscar Valdez Scott Quigg uh, I mean do you want to mention Carl, Frampton Carl, Carl, <laughs> Carl, exactly, Carl Frampton Josh Warrington obviously some of these fights are Nonito Donaire this is it all these fights They're are already happening. yeah exactly so it's going to be very difficult for them to do it yeah. but that would have been the dream division I to think do so too in. I think I th- absolutely think so too but like you've just said they're already happening Santa Cruz is fighting Mares you've got uh, Selby already fighting Warrington Valdez is already fighting Quig Frampton's fighting, fighting Donaire yep. and he's probably going to end up fighting Selby if yep, he comes yep, through that fight yep. you've got Joey Diaz Jr Gary Russell Jr don't have a knock there's only two of them that haven't really got a scrap in there so featherweights I think they're kind of sorting themselves out so you're probably going to struggle to get that in there this is where I'm going to go mate this is, go on, this, come this on. is my tip come on. Right? you've been sitting here scribbling notes about I've this been for scribbling the last all five sorts hours I know that I, I'm confident that he is going to go like what you've said to some of the lower yeah, weight yeah, divisions yeah, right yeah. so I'm going to go for the traditional lightweight division yeah okay I'm going to give you Linares Garcia, Easter Junior, and Remendo Beltran, right, yeah, as the yeah. seeded fighters. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to chuck in Lomachenko's name in there yeah. because he's stepping up. No, in I way. agree. I agree. Out of the British contingent, Luke Campbell might yeah, get a call. Correct. Crawler might get a call. He might sneak in. I mean, he's probably on the periphery. But he might get a call. It's it's mouthwatering. Is that like? Look, he's division. fourth. He, he's ranked fourth challenger in the WBA at the moment, mm. Adam. So he has got a shout in there. He's very popular. He's a big draw. Sells a ticket. Sells a ticket. So a big Manchester fight. Him and Campbell, oh. or you know, it'd be brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Come on, let's do it. And this is where else I'm going, right? Maybe maybe Terry Flanagan would come back down to lightweight. Oh, you'll, make, you'll be able well. to make weight then. Hundred yeah, exactly. percent, you'll be able to get down to lightweight. <laughs> this is this is the one that I think they're going to do. I think they're going to go for a couple of lower weight categories. 
And then I think they're going to go to light heavyweight. That's where I honestly think I'm they're going to go. I'm with you. I'm with you. If we look at light heavyweight, we've got Bivol. He's a beast. You've got Stevenson, Betabiev, Kovalev, Badu Jack, Alvarez, Godvik. I'll tell you something, mate. Stop there. I've just sorted it all out for you, Callum. Yeah, yeah. And the Yard might sneak in. He's number three out, at the moment with the WBO. Yeah, out of the light heavyweights in Britain, do you think Anthony Yard would be the one that would sneak in? Because he is quite highly ranked with the WBO. Yeah, he's three in the WBO. So I think he might well get in there. Again, it's the opportunity to bring a guy. It's, it's whether they can work with, obviously he's with Frank Warren. Yeah. So he's going to have to bring um, Frank Warren's organisation into the fold there. And, you know, is it going to work with ITV because that's a BT Sport deal? Yeah. You know, so it's complex and not everyone filters into these tournaments but I, I am so with you uh, Eleda Alvarez Sullivan Barrera um, you know there's there's um, there's this so Badu Jack by the way obviously he's down to fight Adonis Stevenson soon anyway so here's, here's one here's one check this out no 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 Callum Smith wins the super middleweight tournament this year vacates moves up in weight and enters the light heavyweight tournament for next year. You what about listen, that, you son? Won't, you won't listen what about to me. that? No, no, come no, no, no. I t- there's no come on. I told you that half an hour ago. <laughs> come on. You come on. <laughs> Mate, I think they've got to go light heavy because they're not going to do heavyweight. Yeah, it's too it's yeah. too hard at this moment yeah, in time. Yeah. Cruiserweights have just Too happened. much money. Let's do light heavyweight and then look at those lower categories. The featherweights are sadly sorting themselves out. They're all fighting each other at the moment. Do you so know I don't the, think we're going to get it. The bottom line with all of this is... You know, we all want to know who the number one in the division is. Absolutely. As, as, th- th- and that's why I was congratulating Keller, because when the Ring magazine get involved, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm a columnist for the Ring magazine, and when they get involved and they bestow their title on someone, it really means something. Like, you know, um, Tyson Fury had his title stripped from the Ring magazine a couple of weeks ago, or January the 31st, because he didn't have a fight scheduled. You know, but they didn't bestow it on anyone else, because they don't think that... They all know, and they are right to think this, both or all three, Deontay Wilder, Joseph Parker, and Anthony Joshua, are all unproven in a certain sense. They're all, they're, they're all, they're all fighting at world level, but they're all developing fighters. Mm-hmm. They are not the number one in the division, and I, and I applaud them for that. What, the, what Caller and what the WB, it's not just Caller, but what the WBSS have managed to do is create... Uh, a division that was slumbering and people were disinterested in. Now everybody is talking about a new star in Alexander Usyk and a and a and a granite man, another granite man from the east in Murat Gassiev. No, absolutely, and, and I said those correctly. By the you way, you did, you did, you pronounced them extremely well. I mean, I, listen, it's been a raving success as the World Boxing Super Series. I can't mm, wait mm. to see what they do announce, what weight categories they announce, and what British talent is going to be involved. The one thing that comes off the back of it, by the way, is that. Fans are now wising up thinking, well, the best do fight the best, and they fight them in the World Boxing Super Series. So, therefore, other promoters, i.e., Eddie, Frank, and the like, are going, we better start sorting our matchups out here, and the best better fight the best, and they better fight them quick rather than sending them down the line. And it's also putting America to shame again in many ways, because, you know, when I'm over there at the moment, uh, you know, I went on my sojourn, my holiday, as you called it, when I went on my kind of my sojourn with all the interviews and, and covering MMA and boxing events over there. Every single promoter, journalist, TV executive is amazed at the number of um, bums on seats that we're getting into arenas here in Europe. And it mm. really is. W- this is the place to fight at the moment. And it wouldn't surprise me. I'll throw this at you. Do you think if Anthony Joshua beats Ant- uh, J- uh, Joseph Parker, yep. do you think Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua will try and bring Deontay Wilder here or will he try and make his name in America? <sighs> oh, you're pulling me there. What, what, I'm going to go... 
there's two fights. They'll do two fights. They'll do one here and they'll do one over there, mainly because of the pay-per-view money that is no, available in the United States. That's great cool. It's absolutely massive. Um, listen, stick around. You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sport. Next week, we're in Manchester for Groves Eubank Jr. We keep dropping that name in. We're going to get stuck into it next. There are no ifs and buts where I'm concerned. Uh, it doesn't matter if, if my game plan goes completely out of the window. I will find a way to stop George Groves. He's, you know, there's just no chance in hell that he's going to take this away from me. This is probably been billed as a 50-50, maybe even uh, Eubank Jr. Uh, being a, a favourite, but um, I don't really understand that. I think um, the form, you know, the history, um, the experience, the ability will lie in my favour. George seems to be focused or hung up on what I'm going to do and, you know, how I'm going to change and conform and all these things. Uh, you know, he really needs to worry about himself. I'm sorry to say for Junior that he's uh, he's not good enough. You know, he doesn't have the pedigree. He doesn't have the ability. When the going gets tough... You're going to sing now. You plant your feet. <laughs> you plant your feet and you swing. You don't move. So you will stand still. You will be there for me to tee off on you. How about I release the, the, the sparring footage I have of me and you? Then release what you like, my friend. You, I've got sparring footage. Release what you want. Okay. I bet you can get together some fantastic 10-second Insta clips. I, I, I'll, show the, right? I'll show the whole 8, 9, 10 rounds we used to do. Show the whole lot, you know? Show the whole lot. You um, know I'm legit, so don't sit here in this press conference trying to act like, you know, I'm, I'm some... I'm some, you know, stepping stone. I'm a really mountain. I like to talk about I'm, I'm Mount Everest, and you ain't going to climb me, trust me. Not even fight week yet, and they're, still, they're already having a go at each other. Uh, next week, we are live from Manchester for George Groves versus Chris Eubank Jr. in the first semi-final of the World Boxing Super Series. It is an epic, epic clash. It split the whole media. Let's be honest. I mean, we've sat down with uh, other delegates from the media and we've rowed for about an hour and picked the bones out of things and changed our minds every five minutes as to which way we think this fight will go. 50-50, it's a beaut. There's a richness and there's an intensity to this contest that you've got the pathology of intelligence that the Eubanks use. We've seen the tweets they've been putting out this week. I've just written a story in the Sunday Telegraph tomorrow, Adam, in which Eubank Jr. revealed this week that even before he turned pro, his father was testing him. He'd, not only did he have him adopted by a woman he met on a park bench in uh, in Las Vegas for two years where he, he was 16 to 18 years old and he won the Golden Gloves in Nevada. Um, he then took his son, before he turned pro, Chris Eubank Sr., to Cuba. Um, Chris Eubank Jr. went there. He, he sparred with a Cuban um, amateur team. He beat up their super heavyweight. It was meant to be a technical sparring. Super middle, super sorry, middle sorry, super middleweight. Beat him up. Went, as he told me, went back with feeling smug and happy to the hotel that night. Came back the next day. And what did he see in the ring in this warehouse they use with a concrete floor? The super heavyweight in there standing three stone heavier than him, standing in there banging his gloves together, waiting for him. And all the Spanish, all the Cubans chatting away in Spanish. The head trainer, they're all rubbing their hands together, shouting, Tres rounds, tres rounds. He got in there. The guy gave him heat and beat the living daylights out of him, knocked him out of the ring in the second round, onto the concrete. He told he told me and some of the other journos, couldn't feel his leg. He got back in. He said, I took my three-round beating like a man. That day, the man's name was Erislandi Savon, and he boxed Anthony Joshua 
in the first round of the super heavyweight tournament at the London 2012 Olympics and lost by a point to Anthony Joshua. He didn't knock out Chris Eubank Jr. And Jr. says, I don't fear Golovkin. I don't fear Groves because super heavyweights can't knock me out. There are no chinks in the armour. They are a Machiavellian pair. We've seen it in the way they go at people mentally. You could almost hear it there, some emotion in George Groves. When we met him last week, he wasn't as emotional. And I asked him why he thinks Eubank Jr. has been made the favourite in this fight. I think it's um, from the Rocky uh, training montages that he puts up online uh, that have sort of... um got people uh believing maybe you know um some some of that stuff is is uh is is impressive to the untrained eye maybe um but um yeah i i, I don't really know how he's become um a favorite the bookies obviously are very clever they work off betting algorithms and spot, uh, whatnot they, they might not necessarily believe that he's going to win but that's where the money's been going uh you know people think they're onto a winner um you're saying that he doesn't really have a proper trainer and it doesn't look like he has a game plan from what you've seen of the videos that he's been putting out. Yeah, he's been putting out a lot of, a lot of videos. Um, I mean, I don't study them. I, I, I probably miss, I miss the vast, vast majority of them, but I have seen some, certainly some of the sparring footage. And um, the sparring, I believe, is, is, is terrible because, you know, he's just trying to load up, like trying to bully people, trying to... Um, you know, just punch him off him, um, but he gets caught with so many shots. He's got, you know, he's got big gloves and big head guard on, so he's got that that, that layer of protection that you don't get when you're in a real a real fight with ten ounce gloves with a big guy. Um, so he's probably he's just thinking, right? I just need to try and bull, bulldoze my way through this fight, get myself super fit, so that I can just keep coming, keep coming. That's that's a, that's that's a terrible idea, I, I think, because he's going to be a, he's not going to be able to walk through my shots. Interesting listening to him talking about that. And as uh, as he was talking about uh, how this fight might play out, um, you just whispered in my ear that Martin Murray actually compared George Groves' punching power to Gennady Golovkin's punching power. Obviously, Martin Murray fighting Billy Joe Sons in the not-too-distant future, but he's been in with both of those yes, guys. Yes, And he says that George Groves is a harder hitter. Yeah, that's extraordinary as well. And I know that George has taken something from that, and, he, and it's filled him with confidence as well. Um, it's fascinating. I think there are a couple of parallels here. One is... I think, you know, as I said, there's, there is genuinely a richness and intensity to this. And to all our listeners, listen in to us next week, all week, and listen in to the fight. Because the, the, the amazing thing about a fight week, when, when we start to get up close and sniff and scent and, and feel the felt sense of these two men as, that, as the fight week builds up. Um, I spoke to Andre Ward about this as well. He said, it doesn't matter how you think you're going to deal with the occasion. The occasion sometimes comes to you and your knees knock and you don't know what's going to happen. People can freeze. There's a parallel here for me. 1990, Chris Eubank Sr. Old Trafford. Old Trafford fought um, um, Nigel Benn. Uh, Nigel Benn had just beaten Mike McCallum, knocked him out in a round, if I remember correctly. No one was giving Eubank a chance, or few were giving Eubank a chance, and he stopped Nigel Benn in six rounds, if my memory is serving me right tonight. Um... He proved himself that night. It was his 25th fight. This is Eubank's 28th fight. I have parallels. The second parallel here is Tyson Fury 
told us again and again and again, and his team told us that he was going to go to Dusseldorf on that November night in 2015 and take the world heavyweight titles from Vladimir Klitschko. He could have looked like a fool or a genius. They came away as geniuses that night. And this is the moment here for Eubank Jr. against George Groves, Mm. where he and his father, and he has got a trainer, his father's his trainer. He, as I said, he's Machiavellian. They're very cunning. They're very divisive. Youngster has got no emotion, by the way, no empathy. He's got that almost sociopathic will to be a fighter. And when you've got no emotion as a fighter, it generally makes you a great fighter if you've got ability. If they come away with a win here, they'll be seen as geniuses. You're going to hear it all live and exclusive on TalkSport next Saturday night. Nine o'clock will be live on air. Myself, Gareth, Tony Bellew, John Rowland will be calling the fight. Make sure you come and listen to the actual commentary. Uh, but throughout the course of the week on TalkSport 2 and on TalkSport, you're going to hear our dulcet tones live from Manchester as we uh, bring you weigh-ins, press conferences, and a little bit of Eubank Senior. Why not, eh? We've got to dash a little bit of Eubank Senior into the show, so make sure you're uh, around for that. Uh, Coming up next, we're answering your tweets, because so much correspondence has come in regarding Roy Jones Jr. and our Hall of Fame. Oh, the dulcet tones of Roy Jones Jr. The rapper. The rapper. Never got hit. Smacked people in the mush. Won multiple world titles. And got himself a number one single to boot as well, eh? You cultural know, corner, son. He's yeah, in the cultural corner. No, not got, the Hall of Fame, but he's in the cultural corner as well. He, he deserves both. Look, this is a guy who, to, to boxing, is what Rudolf Nureyev was to ballet. Um, what you, Diego? You, you've, you've really taken us to the culture. No, now, I am. I'm, I'm men in tights. Go on, son. Um, I'm taking it to men in tights. Take corner. us to the next level. This cultural this corner, is high brow, baby. Exactly. The Belshui. Um, <laughs> the Belshui. Um, we, you know, to what Diego Maradona was to football, what Roger Federer has been to tennis. This is a guy, remember, who could find openings. He was so athletic, so balanced. There's a brilliant tweet here from Anthony Evans, who has been a boxing writer in the past, works for the UFC, in fact put Roy Jones Jr. on a UFC fight pass this week. And here's a, gr- here's a great analysis of Roy Jones Jr. I've said enough about him already tonight. I've, I've waxed like a fanboy tonight. I'm waxed like a fanboy. I've waxed lyrical like a fanboy. <laughs> um, Ant says, Anthony Evans says, um, he's in Las Vegas now. He said he had an embarrassment of talent, power, speed, and athleticism. Mm. On any night from 1994, and I think this is key, to 2003, Adam, he'd have been evens versus anyone in history, pound for pound. The counter-argument is that he didn't fight G-Man, Ben, Eubank, Collian, Collins, and Darius Michalczewski, obviously, who he mentioned, yeah. Roy mentioned in the interview. Top 20 pound for pound of all Junior's time, in, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where, where you take that. Listen, right? If he stops after Ruiz, if he stops in 2003 when he becomes the heavyweight champion of the world, he not only finishes with a record of 48-1, and one, and that one being a disqualification, not a beat, right? He, without, We're not even discussing this right now. This isn't even a debate, my friend. What happens is, is that he's had 15 years of diluting his own legacy. And sadly, a lot of new fans have come to the game yeah, in yeah. that 15-year period mm-hmm. and said, oh, I've heard about this Roy Jones Jr. guy. I'll watch him fight tonight. And then they've seen him get knocked out by Enzo Macronelli, for example. You know, that's what they've seen. And therefore, they've cast their opinion on that. And that's no disrespect to them. You can only judge what you see. That's all you can do. All I'll say is that this guy were bigger 
before YouTube, right? No, exactly. <laughs> go before exactly. You, go before YouTube. I'm yeah, sure yeah. some of his fights are on there. Oh no, they are. You, look, look at how he dropped Virgil Hill with a body God. shot. That he beat James Tony James in a pound, Tony, for, pound, pound, pound for pound Come fight. On. And Tony, Tony was James one Tony of those, was legit. No, totally legit. A super middleweight. He's there. He's so relaxed as a fighter. It, if you talk about someone's office, he greased his he greased his elbows. He got in the office. He just fought like a very calm machine at all oh. times. Amazing championship fighter. He beats um, James Tony. Bernard he Hopkins. Bernard Hopkins brings his middleweight run to an end. Um, you know, a record-breaking middleweight run to an end. Um, I suppose Golovkin may have beaten that um, since. But the, the 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 thing is, he then let's say Montel Griffin second fight destroys him, gets disqualified in the first fight, destroys him in a round mm. in the second fight, um, beats John Ruiz, yes, one of the most lumbering heavyweights of all time, but Still go, go and look at the video of that. And, you know, he dances, That there's the Nureyev moment, he dances around the go, like you say, it looks like a super middleweight does, against yeah. a heavyweight. And you can see the three divisions of difference in the size of them, but the problem is then, and, and I think Ed Moss Ward makes a very important point on Twitter, mm. Adam, if he'd quit after Ruiz, or even after the first disputed Tarva, and that's Antonio Tarva fight, yeah. we'd be talking about him alongside Muhammad Ali, yeah. Sugar Ray Robinson, or Joe Lewis as the greatest there's ever been. No question. He's still top five, maybe ahead of Lewis for me, with Willie Pep, that's Pep, Pep he says, Willie Pep, or Armstrong taking the fifth spot. Great observation, Ed. That's a great tweet. It is. Right. Well, on that, and he brings us perfectly to the point that I want to make here. How do we judge greatness? Now, do we judge it over an entire career? Or do we take a snapshot of the prime years? For example, you could do the exact same thing with Mike Tyson, couldn't you? If you take a snapshot of when he was at his ferocious best in the heavyweight division, late teens to early 20s, when he was absolutely going through everybody like a dose of salts, You've got to say he's, he is the greatest of all time heavyweight. But then you tarnish it with obviously talking about Buster Douglas and various other things that happen later on in his life, which uh, have tarnished maybe that heavyweight legacy. Do we do that with Roy Jones Jr.? Should we forget about the last 15 years and just talk about the period of time from the early 90s right up until 2003 when he becomes the heavyweight champion? I don't think you can because I think legacies can become tarnished. Like Mike Tyson, if he'd stopped at a certain point, would have been seen as, before Douglas, for example, he would have been seen as the most destructive heavyweight, one of the most destructive fighters of all time. If Roy Jones Jr. had walked away, um, I'm going to come on to Mayweather here because it's a fascinating point. Mm. Um, You know, if if, uh, Roy Jones Jr. had walked away after John Ruiz, he would have done what only Bob Fitzsimmons did 120 years ago and gone up from middleweight to heavyweight as a world champion. Olympics at 154 pounds. I know, at light heavy, and he was robbed of the gold medal there, remember, in Seoul. It's a huge conspiracy that goes back to the Stasi and all sorts. Look into that story. It's phenomenally interesting. Um, you know, corruption in amateur boxing going back and involving the Stasi, believe it or not. It's unbelievable, the, the East German Secret Service. Um, but then it, this is why Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather, has been so brilliantly managed by his team he's he will walk away from the sport 50 and 0 as a boxer i don't know if he's going to fight conor mcgregor in an mma fight um but it could well happen he's going to walk away from boxing 50 and 0 in his record um completely untarnished physically and people will always remember that the mainstreamers remember that but if you put sugar ray leonard against floyd mayweather in his prime if you put roy jones jr at the same weights against Floyd Mayweather in his prime. I'd much rather have seen um, Sugar Ray Leonard 
and Roy Jones Jr. because that would have been incredible. I don't want to see Roy Jones Jr. against Floyd Mayweather. It's it's an easy win for Roy Jones Jr. at the same weight. Mm. It's an it's a win for Sugar Ray Leonard at the same weight. Mm. These are special people we're talking about. Well, he but Roy Jones the, Jr. is very, very special. He mentions in that conversation with you about being the king of the hill. Yeah. So there's too king much, of the hill. King of the hill. There's too much um, focus these days on the dollar. There's too much focus these days on that unbeaten record. And I'm not knocking Floyd. Listen, he's fought the best of the best. He's, he's taken on world champions in multiple weight categories. And he's an elite defensive boxer. Of course he is. Pretty boy Floyd, by the way, up until his 23rd flight. Listen, that was an entertaining guy. He was out there knocking kids out for fun, was Pretty Boy Floyd. Oh, he was very aggressive. There was yeah. a time, you know, fights with Zab Judah and different people like that. He was amazing. But, it, but as he got older, he became more he was defensive. He was concentrating he, on keeping that zero in order to make money. Let me put this in context, because that was a half an hour interview with Roy Jones Jr. And we didn't hear what he did say was, look, Floyd created beautiful events. He was brilliant at making money, yeah. but he wasn't about being the king of the heel. Yeah, and and he's so right about that. As he said, him and Mike Tyson, it was all about being the man, the man who beat the man who beat the man. And and and, but what he also said was, it's turning around. He's delighted. It's coming by around, these yeah. tournaments. Yeah. He's delighted by the heavyweights all meeting each other now. He believes boxing is on the return. And do you know what? I I had goosebumps when I was sitting with him, Adam. And and when I he saw said, you getting a selfie. I do, yeah, and, and no, but the, <laughs> you got him. You're in. You're, you're you touching have, greatness. You, you are, and and you know he's a sweet man, Roy. He, he's amazing. Um, but you know when he also said that British fans are the best in the world, they follow their fighters everywhere. It's extraordinary that he thinks that. Andre Ward thought that when I was sitting with him. Virgil Hunter said it to me recently. We are in a golden age for British boxing right now, and a golden age sitting here, you and I. Thank you very much for all your correspondence tonight on Roy Jones Jr. I'm going to throw these names in. Ali, Robinson, Duran, Lewis, Ray Leonard, Floyd, and then we'll put Roy Jones Jr. in that mix. Pick out whichever order you wish, all right? Pick out whatever order you wish. It's totally up to you. But he's definitely in that list. He was unbelievable. And he's in our Hall of Fame without any show of that after hanging up the gloves. And Cultural uh, Corner. On Thursday. And he's done Cultural <laughs> Corner as well this week. Uh, listen, myself, Gareth, Tony Bellew, John Rowling, the full team here at TalkSport are going to be coming to you live from Manchester all week, building up to our big live fight night next Saturday on TalkSport from 9 o'clock. Make sure you come and join us. It's the World Boxing Super Series semi-final between George Groves and Chris Eubank Jr. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 